Hello and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, from the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports. You are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WBFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. Coming to you live from 420 inside of Diffenbaugh. Save your jokes at the door. I'm your host, Nicholas Carlisle, bringing you the latest, greatest, and Florida State is in everything sports, or at least as much as we can fit in the hour for people all around the world. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at talk underscore Tomahawk, and you can call into the show at 850-644-1837. Once again, that's 850-644-1837. Welcome to Tomahawk Talk, everyone. And just like LeVar Ball's t-shirt says, we are undefeated, never lost. Uh, the Cinderella story continues tonight as Florida State begins its game with Michigan. Right about now, actually, of course, we are going to get into Florida State's 1-0 victory against nationally ranked Arkansas. I believe they were ranked number five. And, of course, we give you our reaction to the conclusions of both the NBA and NHL finals. We have a lot to chop through tonight on the show, so let's get right into it. Was a captain without his crew. I am joined by my good friend and co-host, Luke Fay. How's your week, man? I understand you're having a bit of a uh, problem with your hearing. Can you uh, can you hear me okay? You're, you're talking to my good ear, Nick, so okay. this is, this is all good. Um, you know, my... My hearing has been a little bit of an issue since LSU. Uh, tried a bunch of uh, remedies, hasn't worked so far. One thing I haven't tried is a Q-tip, uh, and we'll, we'll which, see. Which we'll should see. be like the first thing that you try, right? That's that is the first thing, but also the the last thing I own. Um, meaning I don't own it at all. But I'm just going to put you on the grill here. You realize that you can go to a Walmart, a CVS, literally maybe even a dollar store, and find a box of them for one dollar. You know that's tough. Uh, that's that's a that's oh, wait, a tough thing. It's to a desperate. Do. Is it desperate times right now? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say that. Let's just say the the savings are going towards Omaha. Uh, if okay. Florida State wins tonight, we're <laughs> okay. going to have V eighty nine represented in there. That's all I can say. That's all he can say. And uh, as per usual, we are joined by both uh, Brett Rutherford and Alex Krutchek tonight. How are you? Things with you guys? Alex, you can go ahead and get us started. Not too bad. Not too bad. I mean, just just still riding the high of that win on Friday night. Um, really stressful game. Can't wait to talk about that one. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, my nerves are, are still riding high as uh, we've got uh, the Florida State baseball game live on our laptops. I know we can't like broadcast the game, but we we'll, we will be jumping in periodically with some some live updates. From <laughs> as long as you're paying attention, I kind of feel like the teacher uh, in front of the classroom. <laughs> it's like you, nobody smiles at their crotch. Um, you know, instead of like paying attention to the class, so I need you to just pay attention and stay with me here. Like, don't, don't. I wonder how that quote would be taken completely out of context. Completely out of context. Well, it's a good. It's a good right thing now. that you know. Yeah, before smartphones, that would be a very weird sentence. That you <laughs> yeah, said. yeah. You just think about that for a second. Like, how weird that would to be like in the in the 1990s or whatever. You know, O.J. Simpson doesn't even know what Twitter is until this week. I, I find that fascinating. That people in jail for like the last 10 years. Don't really know what Facebook or Twitter or Instagram are. I, I just, what was his, fir- what was his first tweet? I, I remember it was. Is it? Is I've it got a lot of evening peach- up to do. Oh, okay. Got to get even. Twenty fifth anniversary today, guys. Okay. Of of the Bronco chase. Oh, Legendary. Well. <laughs> Luke Faye, Brett Rutherford, Alex Krutchek, and once again, my name is Nick Carlisle, and we are starting off the top, which if you didn't already know, is a segment where I take a look at the past week in sports, pick the top stories, rip them, and pitch them to our panel, forcing them to come up with the answers off the top of their head at the top of the show. And tonight, the USA women's national team received some criticism this past week in their world record setting 13-0 victory against Thailand in the opening rounds of the Women's World Cup, and that said criticism was aimed at the celebrations that the players were performing after the score began to become well record setting and the critics claim that the players and their celebrations were being disrespectful in their actions 
As the score began to be run up, of course, the team responded by golf clapping after the goal scored in their 3-0 victory against Chile. I think uh, I think it was Carly Lloyd who yep. gave a little small <laughs> little celebration there. I- I'm curious, guys, what is your response to the criticism, and is it justified in any way, Luke? I think beating them 13 to zero was a little bit a little bit cruel. But if you if you look back at it, I believe a bunch of the players that did score it was kind of their first ever World Cup goals. So they they kept on pouring on. Alex Morgan had five goals, which is tied the record for most goals in a World Cup uh, appearance, or I should say a World Cup game. Now, from the perspective of a fan, in Ch- uh, when they played Chile, they didn't score in the second half. Now, was that because Chile played so well, or was it because uh, the USA kind of toned it back? But if you're, if you're looking at it from another perspective, which most of you guys know I am, uh, the U.S. was four and a half point favorite against Chile. They go up three to zero in that first half and don't even score because of probably the perception of uh, of of how they looked against Thailand. I, I kind of wonder what what that'll do um, for the next game. How how they, uh, they they put up the point spread there. Do you really think the perception of the team really had that much to do with them not scoring in the second half? Uh, I mean, I'm who, calling I'm calling your bluff I, on it because I, I personally, I personally, you think don't that Chile it. just played stout defense in the second half? Well, I'm not saying or it's they, not possible. I feel like I feel like they didn't try as hard. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, Brett, what do you think? I I don't think anyone on that that U.S. women's team needs to apologize for for scoring goals in in, in the World Cup. Um, yeah, thirteen. Like I don't think a whole lot of people are blaming them for scoring thirteen goals. I do think there's a lot of discussion about the celebrations, and and yeah, maybe they could have toned it down once you're up nine, ten, eleven goals. But at the end of the day, you only have every player, no matter if you've never scored before, if you've already scored four or five World Cup goals, a finite number of goals you're going to score in the World Cup, and I don't think anyone can tell them how they should celebrate and. Um, Again, I still think, you know, in in uh, in their game against Chile, the the celebrations I had a laugh when Carly Lloyd gives gives that golf clap because it's kind of just a, a straight shot at all the haters on TV, in the media, on Twitter that that uh, they was kind of criticizing them for for how they celebrated against Thailand. When you're on the losing end of one of these things, I always found it so much more disrespectful when the other team actually lets up on you. I find that to be so much more disrespectful than when they keep pouring it on you because I feel like that's actually in a weird way, a sign of respect. Like, we're going to keep going at you because we don't know if you'll come back against us. I, I think it's so much more disrespectful to say, hey, that other team is really bad, so let's not even try as hard as we usually do. And, of course, Thailand, it's not a perennial powerhouse in the world of women's soccer, but, again, the women's national team for the United States is just that good. But when it comes to the criticism, I think it's really a child a kind of a childish criticism in such a way because we as spectators don't understand all the hard work and all the extra hours put into the the craft that these players have the amount of time spent doing cone drills in a field at 2 a.m in the morning under a light next to some bleachers you don't understand that you're not in their shoes you don't appreciate it like they do and if i was scoring in the world cup i would absolutely take that moment in and relish it with all my heart and all my mind and soul just because these women have been working their butts off for obviously a range of of ages, you know, some 19, some in their 20s, their their late 20s now. But with with that being said, um, kind of calling into an, an old statement here: um, if you don't like them celebrating like that, don't let them score like that. 
it's 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 I it's, didn't know it's a Thailand. double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword. I didn't know sword. Thailand had a soccer team. Okay, well, so every nation has a soccer team, but uh, not they really. don't. They don't but, always. But you make know it. that 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 just goes to show you. Could you name a, a single Thai player? My goodness, probably not. So. It, it just was a talent discrepancy. How fast can maybe, you? How fast can you let me Google a name? Oh God! Uh, yeah. Like, well, yeah. anyways, Nick, I, I do want to report something a little bit sad going on here. Florida State just allowed a solo shot in the top of the first inning. Okay. Um, not not the greatest of starts. I, I will say though that CJ Van Eyck, when he started in the Athens uh, regional, True. did give up a home run in the first inning and and did really settle in after that for for a great outing. Um, so hopefully he's just uh, getting it out of the way early in this one. But with that being said, I think we're all ready to move on. That was the Off the Top segment brought to you by me, sponsored by me, delivered by our panel. Um, so with that being said, we're just going to go right into it. Florida State defeating Arkansas 1-0 to uh, in the first game of the College World Series. And Arkansas actually did get eliminated today earlier yes. by, by Texas Tech. So uh, if if Texas Tech, excuse me, uh, if Florida State loses this game against Michigan, which they are down 1-0, as Luke just reported, they will be facing Texas Tech, I believe. Did you say on Wednesday? Yeah, it'll be Wednesday. In, on Wednesday. But just talking about the Florida State-Arkansas game first, Luke, it was really, really close the entire way through. Uh, obviously, the score will be able to tell you that. But what was your biggest takeaway from Florida State's victory over Arkansas here? Well, it it, it looks like Drew Parrish has got his stuff back. I, I am not a Drew Parrish stan, as they say, Gary Putnick, uh, <laughs> long time, uh, long time V89er, and current editor of the FSU. I he he loves Drew Parrish and Nick Nick. You were not on the Drew Parrish bandwagon. I was on CJ Van Eyck's. My big takeaway was eighth inning meltdowns for Florida State have been a thing, and in that eighth inning, Drew Parrish had a chance to give that game away, and buckle down with I I believe there was only one out and two runners on first and second or on second and third, and he buckled down, struck him out, and got out of that inning, and that was huge for the momentum for the batters and for himself, knowing that, you know, I, I've got it, and Florida State's got to feel really good because they got C.J. Van Eyck on the mound, even though right now they're down 1-0. to zero. Absolutely. You and I have vocally not been the best supporters when it comes to Drew Parrish and his his position as the ace for this, for this baseball team. It's been a roller coaster all season, but one thing that you can point to and seeing that he had last night, he had great command and he was able to mix the speeds of his pitches really, really well. And Arkansas really had no answer for him as Florida State really had no answer for Campbell on the other side of things, Brett. Uh, he pitched about as best of a game as he probably could have. So w knowing that Arkansas was your pick to win this entire tournament, now that you see them out... Uh, <laughs> How do you think Florida State was able to handle the pitching attack that Campbell was able to deliver? And we've seen a lot of shocking things throughout this entire tournament. Obviously, UCLA going down at the hands of Michigan, now now Arkansas, two and done in Omaha. Um, Campbell, I thought he was great um, on Saturday against the Knolls. And I think what they did uh, was they just continued to work counts. We've seen them do it time and time again this season. You know, worked late in the counts. Uh, get on base via the walk, and, and for most of the game, they, they weren't able to get a run in. But I don't think, and I, th I think we've seen this th through regionals, super regionals now, into the College World Series, even when Florida State is struggling against a pitcher, they don't stray away from, from that philosophy of trying to work the count, get on base any way possible. Um, and it for, for eight innings, it didn't work against Campbell, but it worked in the ninth, and, and that was all they needed to get the win. 
And it wasn't like there was a lack of chances for Florida State in this game. There were eight runners left on base in comparison to Arkansas six. But obviously, Alex, we were talking before the show about the turning point in this game. And it was obviously when the Arkansas shortstop, of which his name escapes me right now, he was making a flat, uh, 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 a tag on J.C. Flowers. And the ball and his glove completely went out of his hand and his, his left arm jerked back in a really uh, violent motion. But that call being called safe and then having them review it uh, and then reviewing again after the the tag up by J.C. Flowers when he was on third really allowed J.C. Flowers to be able to warm up in the bullpen and really be able to close out this game. If things had gone differently, do you think that Flowers would have gotten the same result? Same result in the ninth? You same results in the ninth, yes. No, I don't think so. I think he had a – I mean, you guys all saw on the broadcast, he sprinted out to the bullpen right after – he scored. He had sweat dripping down his face. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I think a lot of his success had to do with he got like a five-minute break just from them reviewing it, and Eduardo Perez was gawking at it on the broadcast saying, this is so great because not only is FSU going to win this challenge, but also it's taking five minutes for um, J.C. Flowers to warm up properly instead of sprinting out there. Yeah, and, and after the the review was completed, um, Arkansas's manager went out to the mound for a mound yeah. visit, and it took even more time, gave yeah. J.C. Flowers even more time to warm up. I don't know if it would have changed the outcome of the game. I don't know if Flowers would have been off of his game if he had less time to warm up, but it definitely didn't hurt. Like, Nick, J.C. Flowers did everything. No, he Defensively, did. Defensively, got that great ball against the wall. He got the, he got the game-winning run across, and he closed out the game. Is that one of the best performances individually uh, that you've seen all season from this Florida State uh, team? I think Mike Salvatore hitting for the cycle, obviously, is probably one of the things that springs to mind immediately. But in terms of when it matters the most and when it comes to clutch games, this is probably one of the best performances that I have seen so far this season. You know, the the it's up with Reese Alberts two home run game against LSU in game one. That as well. That as well. And you take a look at that running catch against the wall. That potentially, of course, circumstances and the future, unbeknownst to what happens, that probably saved a run, at least according to what would happen later. But uh, it really was a fantastic performance. And JC Flowers really has been one of the heroes of this team this season, as I'm sure really nobody would disagree with that. But, you know, defense was really something that came up a lot when talking about the team in this game. And I believe it was you, Alex, or perhaps it was Brett, that you took a you took a note amount of the, of the amount of plays that happened during this game that you could say, oh, well, that's that could, could have easily been a run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was two plays. I forget exactly who they were, but I believe it was the second baseman and the shortstop that each had two plays where they just speared a ball right out of the air. And then there was the, uh, I think it was Nander DeSatis throwing it to third base on the grounder instead of going to first, so he got the lead runner out too. All in all, defense probably took three runs off the board for Arkansas. Yeah, and, and one I want to kind of dive into a little bit was Mike Salvatore bobbled a ball at shortstop, and as the ball is midair, it dropped down to about his knees, and somehow, some way snagged it with his bare hand as it was falling to the ground and was still able to make the play and get the guy out at first. Uh, Mike Salvatore, a great defensive shortstop, um, was actually the second baseman to start the year and got moved over to short. And to see him bobble the ball, but to keep himself composed, to grab that ball midair and still make the throw over, which I think is not something you'd expect from a lot of other Florida State infielders, um, was, was really great to see. 
And another person that you should definitely highlight is Matthew Nelson in the performance he had. He had two key hits, and uh, he's really been a really nice, surprising asset for this baseball team through the course of the postseason. But, Luke, my question to you is, and it's not necessarily attuned to Nelson, do you feel like there's some kind of aura around this baseball team? Like, it's not necessarily a Cinderella story because Florida State are perennial Omaha favorites, but mm-hmm. the course to Omaha obviously this year was very scary and roller coaster like at some times. Do you feel like there is something of a higher power like driving this team? Oh, I, I, I completely agree with that statement because you look at these players and some of, some of these guys didn't show up until at the very end of the season, namely Tim Becker. These, this team just, I don't know, I don't know what else to say about it other than Matthew Nelson has been a, a run machine. He's played so well as a freshman. A freshman catcher. That's a that's a very big position to be in. Defensively, he's been great throwing guys out over at third, the back pick uh, against LSU. It it does seem there's there's a difference because I I've mentioned this before where Drew Mendoza said we didn't really believe in ourselves, and something happened where you know the old statement leave it all out on the field. Well, there aren't too many seniors on this team, but there must have been a moment where they realized you know this is our our managers last year. This is 11's last year. We might as well go and play to what are because they're talented. They are talented. It's just none of it is lined up at the same time. And now you can look across the board, and it's not exactly the offensive power because the I think at the regional they batted about 411 uh, against uh, Georgia and FAU and in that regional. What for me has been the big deal, has been the defense. I, I, I would want to look back on it, but I want to say they've only had three errors this entire tournament. And that's what Florida State has stunk at, is is the defensive side and the pitching. And all of a sudden, if you get the pitching figured out, and the defense, Drew Mendoza has had a couple web gems, which no one has seen uh, coming. So for me, it's defense is the aura that starts. Defense creates offense. And in that sense, Florida State has just been playing lights out. And the one thing is that when they do make an error, we saw J.C. Flowers drop a ball in center field in Baton Rouge against LSU. They don't let it spiral out of control. We've we've seen them do that at the College World Series. It was a double play right well, after that yeah. play, the next play. It's exactly. like when, when yes. things can go bad, they go well. Yeah, no, they, they keep themselves composed. They make the next play. They get the next out. And I think that's really a testament to, the, to the, just the resilience of this team. And you can say the same thing with the pitching at LSU. Drew Parrish had a not great start the game one, but he still gave up, what, two, three runs? He didn't let it get out of hand. Right. So moving on to the Michigan game, obviously Florida State already down 1-0 unless they've uh, – they got a runner on second, no outs. Runner on second, no outs, and I believe it's the bottom of the first. Yes. yes. Okay. Well, looking at this Michigan team as well, very, very similar to Florida State, one of the last four teams in. And yet it's two, I'm not going to say powerhouses colliding because Michigan, this is the first time I believe they've been in the College World Series since what, like 1984? It's been a while. Been a long time. But these two teams that seem to just have all the momentum in the world colliding at once. And, you know, Brett, we were talking before the show, it's it's like these teams are eyeing each other in the opposing dugout and we're saying, oh, we could beat them. You know, they, 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 they were one of the last four teams in. We're the hottest team in, in the College World Series right now. So... Brett, in your opinion, which team has the edge? Uh, I would, I would, I hope that I would be able to say that, considering you know the game might have started later, but it's already started. So, which team 
really has the edge here. I think if you're looking at talent, you're looking up and down the roster. Um, Florida State's always going to have the edge just from being in the state of Florida. And I know Luke says it over and over that teams up north have less time to practice. It was, it was snowing like a month ago. <laughs> they, they have, they have, they have uh, less time to kind of work their craft. Um, and and I do think that, that Mike Martin and everything that's kind of transpired with this Florida State team would give them the edge. Um, but I do think that there's a chance that they're coming into this game for, with, with you know, thinking that they're unbeatable, um, which is probably not the right mindset. Um, and again, that's just like speculation. I don't know what's happening inside this Florida State locker room. Um, but you, you're, ta- you're talking about a team with a ton of high draft picks, um, guys that will be drafted in the next couple of years. Uh, I, I would give Florida State the edge. I do think they're a, they're a more talented baseball team. Nick, where can this team improve? Where can this team improve? Well, right now they're probably playing some of the best baseball that they have all season, and I don't really think many people would argue with that. I really think that they could probably improve in their plate appearances. You know, only two drawn walks last night against Arkansas. Of course, that could be due to Campbell, who had uh, 10 strike and not. I, I don't know if that's 10 strikeouts by himself. Let me take a look at he had. Yeah, he had 10 strikeouts by himself uh, last night again, or not last night? Excuse me, Saturday night against Florida State. But drawing walks has always been something that Florida State has prided itself on. Didn't really come around in the game against Arkansas, but that's probably the one thing that has been lacking uh, over the last couple of games, the last game in particular. But Alex, assuming that Florida State uh, loses the game and they have to play again on Wednesday, uh, Drew Parrish only has a few days rest. Obviously, you would want your best people out there. Would you start Parrish on less rest, or would you give a start to Connor Grady? I would give Parrish the ball. I would. I mean, that's Saturday, Sunday. That's only Three four days. Three days rest. Yeah, that's four days rest. Day. That's. I think I would rather have that, and then you can have Van Eyck go again on Friday if you need to, because again, that's only four days rest. Brett, what do you think? I I do think if they lose this game and, and do have to play on Wednesday, um, I I don't think Parrish will be ready. He went a long time in that game on Saturday. Through I think 115 pitches is what he ended up with. I think you're comfortable with Connor Grady. We, we saw what he did in Athens. And I also think if maybe uh, you, you start Antonio Velez after what he did in Baton Rouge. Ooh, okay. And you know you've got Velez and Grady. Maybe you get three innings out of one guy and then you give it over to the other one. Um, and, I th- and I think you're, you're confident. And then maybe late in that game you turn the ball over to Drew Parrish. Or not obviously not C.J. Van Eyck if he, his pitch count gets high up there tonight. But you've got a lot of options. And I think a lot more trustworthy options going into this game. I don't know. Jenny, tweet it. Tweet it. Tweet it, Antonio Velez, hot take right there. Uh, Jenny, Jenny, by the way, is back after a short retirement. We got a retirement. double team here. Yeah. We got two, two of the. Twitter and Gianna groups. is here as well. Two of the Twitter uh, Mount Rushmore, two of the faces on the Twitter Mount Rushmore for Tomahawk Talk. Um, just wrapping up the talk about Florida State and Arkansas here, and uh, Florida State and Michigan as well. Uh, you said that they had a runner on second. Did anything come of uh, that? Drew Mendoza just struck out. Uh, so Salvatore still on second. Still got a man outs. on second. Yeah. I'll give you a wee 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 breaking news. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll give okay, you one good. of those. Martin's up at the plate now with two outs and one on. So okay, and RBI Martin. Wow, dude, uh, Mike Martin trying to do it all, huh? Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> I might, said, like, uh, Robbie Martin. Yeah, Robbie I was Martin, about rather. to say, man, uh, eleven is <laughs> going. He's back leaving to, all out of play. He's going for another degree. <laughs> uh, somehow got <laughs> graduate. Uh, Eligibility. I think he could lay down a bunk guy. Come <laughs> on. I don't know. I've seen him hit fungo. He could. He, he got some pop. Yeah, he, he, he got I some think pop. He, he batted around 300 when he was at Florida State in the 60s. Let's go. Get him in the game. I mean, I I would remember that. I was a student back there. So, 
Well, obviously, uh, Florida State would be facing Texas Tech on Wednesday if they do fall to Michigan tonight, Ooh. and then they would play on Friday the winner of Michigan and Texas Tech. Uh, Nick, did you see the end of the Auburn game yesterday? I did. Oh, my God. Uh, my my athletic director over at TCC, just he, he was beside me. He, he didn't even want to talk about it. That is the most brutal brutal ending ever. I uh I, I can't talk about it myself. And in, in, in me being a guy that has uh, made an error or two back back in my day. Uh, well, my well playing explain days. the situation first for the viewers. Well, I believe that. it was the, the bases loaded. Uh, Mississippi State was down 4-1. to one. Auburn looked to be in control of that game the, the whole way. And then all, all of a sudden, Mississippi State comes charging back. They have the tying run on third base. There's two outs. Auburn still has the lead. Easy, routine ground ball hit to the third baseman. He has two options, either tag the runner coming from second, end the game, move on, or throw the ball over to first just to make the routine play. And he decides to take the ladder. He throws the ball over to the Auburn first baseman, uh, but instead it finds about the second row (laughs) uh, down the first baseline, ties the game, next batter wins it for Mississippi State. Auburn finds themselves in the loser's bracket, where I believe they'll play Louisville. Yes. Um, I'm not sure. Was that today? Tomorrow. Uh, no, it tomorrow. is tomorrow, tomorrow. at and, 2 p.m. And you got to think about it, Nick. How difficult is it to be the Auburn fan in the last two months? Oh, it really bad, really, really bad. Uh, Alex, out of all the teams that are currently in the losers bracket right now, which team do you think, apart from Arkansas, of course, because they got eliminated today? But out of all the teams still in the loser bracket for both brackets, which team still poses the biggest threat uh, threat to win it all? Brett, you can chime in as well. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think Texas Tech has a huge chip on their shoulder after what happened in last year's uh, College World Series, and I do think out of the teams that are left and are in that losers bracket, um, they are the most talented. Um, Louisville and, and Auburn, both talented teams. Auburn, kind of on a similar run as uh, Florida State and Michigan are, just kind of world beaters right now, uh, but. Texas Tech, with with what conspired last year in Omaha, I think are probably uh, the favorites uh, if there were a team to get out of the uh, losers bracket. And Nick, it was a fly out to left field for State Strands runner on third. So that's that game is going to the top of the second, but that's about all we do have to say about Florida State baseball at this point. I mean, I do wish the game was later because it's really nice to to speculate and uh, talk about the could bees and the would and the would bees. Van Eyck was due for a no hitter if he had another hour. I mean, I'm a Van Eyck <laughs> stan right here. Uh, anyways, we're gonna take about a 90 second to 120 second break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. Say it right now, but it's not the time I see those friendly faces, but they only make me anxious I could shout it out loud in the crowded space People have been hoping, but I've never been that open There's not much left to do, even less to say They'll glue together moments just to throw them all away Am I looking for a change? Wait a minute Something tells me different but I know it never ends I've been here before Don't you know it's all the same? I've been here before don't you know you're not to blame for feeling?
quiet down for a single thought I'm all circle psychopathic belly up I just forgot that I could say it right now I can make a dime People have been hoping and finally breaking open I've been here before, don't you know it's all the same, don't you know you're not to blame, I'm thinking that I've been here before, don't you know it's all the same, don't you know you're not to blame for feeling And welcome back to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. We left you on the other side of the break, finishing up talking about Florida State and Michigan and, of course, the 1-0 victory Florida State had against Arkansas. But now, transitioning into the world of sports, something that I've been wanting to talk about since it happened. Um, what was that? I know what you're going to talk about. What, are you gonna, what am I going to talk about? The choker, Steph Curry. No, uh, no, 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 no. We got some. We got bigger news. Bigger NBA news. Finals is is old news. That's no, bigger news. Yeah. Uh, well, thank God my takes were horrible on that. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Anthony Davis actually got traded. Uh, uh, I think. Hey, I've been wanting to talk about it because people have been back and forth on who's winning this trade, and I. Re- I this was almost going to be off the top tonight, but I'm like, no, we'll get it. We'll get it in the second half. Really get a nice segment on it, Luke. I'm I, I'm sorry to disappoint you, and you wanted to talk about. I guess Steph Curry, but uh, the Lakers. What do you think of their trade to get Anthony Davis? They gave up a lot, but you got to look at where they believe they're going to be in the next five to seven years. Most likely, they'll be between twenty and thirty-two on those picks. And what perennial all-star are you going to get from there? Unless you're the Spurs, no one. So, <laughs> and in that regard, I would say right now, not getting rid of I. I'm almost positive that in the initial offer, Cal Kuzma was on the table. And keeping Cal Kuzma, even though he may be a role player or whatnot, keeping him with his contract, being cheap, he, he is a he is a good player. Now they've got LeBron James, Kuzma, Anthony Davis. Who are you going to put to be the point guard on that team? I like Kemba Walker. I do. I just don't know. He's never had that. Those teammates that are so much better. What will that? What will that mean? He's been a good player on a bad team. I like the guy. Who can they set up, especially with the max slot? They don't exactly have one. I believe they have twenty-seven million dollars, and the max slot is thirty-two. So what they can do with the money they have, you can't have Contavious Caldwell Pope be your sixth man, which was kind of what they had this year. Uh, so who can they get to come? over to the Lakers where you don't have Lance Stevenson, Rajon Rondo, JaVel McGee, trying to name some more bums that they got. Oh, bu- bums. Bums. That's a... Uh... Certified bums. Okay. Okay. They didn't make the playoffs here, Nick. Like, what are you going to do? Uh, well, I don't there's think... There's a lot of, there's there's a lot lot of issues with that Lakers team. Yeah, I don't... Give me, give me Lou Williams. Give me Lou Williams, and, and then you're, then you're going to tell me 
that they they are a contender for the Western Conference Finals. Not to win it, but to get there. And there's turmoil with with the Warriors, with their injuries, and turmoil with the Rockets if that team implodes. What will happen along with those lines? Does does Chris Paul somehow get out and walk? Will we see Chris Paul finally make it to the Lakers within the next two years? Maybe so. so. many things, Nick. So many things. So many things, which is why I wanted to talk about it. And then you were like, oh, Steph Curry. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we'll leave that for the, yeah, okay, the, the yeah. tail end of the show when yeah. the important things come out. Like, is is Kawhi Leonard a, a top ten player of all time? Oh, whoa, whoa. Okay. That's a little too that's, far. That's a little far. That's a little far. How many dynasties has he killed? Trace. Three. Wow. I mean, I don't want to take any credit hey, away he, from Kawhi he, Leonard, but that, we're talking about like the top he killed the players. Heat, he killed the Spurs, and he killed the Warriors. Okay, well, the methods in which he used to kill the San Antonio Spurs is a little questionable. They, yeah, they but, left you speechless because he didn't use words. I guess you could say <laughs> kill him with silence instead of kill him with kindness. I don't know. No, but I'm I'm looking at this trade, and I think there's a lot of debate. You turn on any of the debate shows on the you know various sports cable networks, uh, and they're talking about oh who won the trade? Did the Lakers win it? Did the Pelicans win it? I I do think that both franchises really got out of this trade what they needed to get out of this trade. The Lakers mm-hmm. brought in another superstar to play with LeBron. They are going to contend for the Western Conference next year. I don't know if they'll win it, but they're going to definitely contend. They're definitely going to make the playoffs. And the Pelicans got a lot of pieces, players and picks, that are going to help them kind of rebuild their franchise after losing Boogie Cousins and Anthony Davis in back-to-back off-seasons. I think that's going to be that's going to be really important for them. Obviously, they got the number one pick in uh, next week's draft, and uh, now they have the number four pick as well. They've, they've got the foundation there to, to build their franchise in whatever way they'd like. Alex? Yeah, I also kind of like this for both teams. I think that the... Pelicans got a lot of role players. I know Lonzo Ball's coming off of an injury, and Brandon Ingram's still a little unproven. But you have three guys with a lot of upside, plus Zion Williamson, who's probably a can't-miss draft pick. You assume that they're going to take him with the first pick. And it looks like a good roster. And then kind of like what Brett said, the Lakers also got what they wanted. They got Anthony Davis and LeBron James. They have two stars. But then on top of that, they still have Kyle Kuzma. They still have... Uh, Caldwell Pope, they still have role players around them. It, people were making fun of them a little bit on Twitter saying, how are they going to fill out a roster? But they still have a roster around them, and free agency isn't over. I don't necessarily would, I don't know if I would consider Caldwell Pope a valuable roster oh, spot. God. but um, Well, there's still room for them to add. There's still room for them to Nick, add. Nick, my question for you is sometimes pieces aren't good where they are. Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram weren't really good for that Lakers team and now going to a different team where they can insert them into other young players, wouldn't you say that that would be a better fit for them to not be in that spotlight? Well, I'm I'm going to kind of avoid that question by focusing on the return with LeBron and Anthony Davis in L.A. There is no guarantee that LeBron James and Anthony Davis are going to be able to play well together. There is no guarantee. Everybody wants to talk about the star power and say, well, oh, big names. Anthony Davis is going to play with LeBron James, an instant lock for you know the, the Western Conference Finals. They're a championship contender, which I, I'm not you know disbanding that idea at all. But as we've seen with a lot of the super teams that have tried to be formed over the last couple of seasons, Hayward and Kyrie, um, Paul George and Russell Westbrook, in Carmelo Anthony and, and Carmelo. Carmelo Anthony for like a layaway, like a Walmart layaway uh, season. But 
there is no guarantee that you're going to be able to replicate which I think everybody tried to replicate, and that was the the first big three in Boston with Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce. There is no guarantee that all these big names are going to work well together. Now, you want to talk about the the little names, and by no means are they necessarily little names, but Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball working with on what's going to definitely be probably one of the youngest teams in the NBA next season. It's kind of the point that I was reaching towards for the entirety of the straight overall. There is no guarantee that these players are going to play well together. But people are so focused on saying, well, the Lakers got it done. The Lakers got it done. AD is going to be playing with LeBron now. You know, you brought up who's going to be the point guard. Is LeBron going to be able to play somebody while he's not the main ball hander? There's just so many questions that have been yet to be answered that you can't say that any one team has won the trade. Well, Nick, let's not get it sideways. Anthony Davis is not Dwight Howard. It's not like the Kobe Bryant-Dwight Howard situation where no. Kobe Bryant was on the tail end of his career and Dwight Howard decided he didn't want to play basketball anymore. Okay, LeBron James has got a bunch in the tank. By Kevin Durant going down, Klay Thompson going down, uh, the, the, the stability of the league is not there anymore. And now you're telling me the Lakers have two of the top five guys in the NBA. It's It's... I think it's a can't-miss opportunity. I don't know, when, has, when has LeBron played with a guy above the rim that has been uh, one of the caliber players that, that Anthony Davis Get Anderson Verajal, man. <laughs> or Zydrunas hey, Ogalskis. Chris Birdman, man. Zydrunas yeah, Ogalskis, Birdman. which people don't even know who that is. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, I, I know who that is, but... But still, like, it, you can't argue that... I don't care. Anthony Davis made Drew Holiday a $30 million player, okay? Come on. Yeah, I I mean I just I don't I see a playstyle clash when it comes to Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I just do not see it working. I kind of imagine kind of how Chris Bosh ended up working out for the Miami Heat, but he ended up being more of a spot-up shooter and Anthony Davis doesn't have that shooting touch yet. He needs to be inside. I'm really curious what Frank Vogel is going to be able to do with that offense. And Frank Vogel, of course, is a defensive guy anyways. So Well, you mean Jason Kidd, right? Because well, <laughs> we all know how it's well, going to yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason Kidd is going to be the coach of the Lakers sooner rather than later. But um, I don't know, Brett. What, what are you thinking about that? I mean, with, with any trade, and especially in the offseason, we don't know how it's going to play out. We've got a lot of time to kind of mull over this deal before the NBA season starts. And, and I, I think at the time being, I'll just double down on it, that both teams, like like Anthony Davis was the best player that the Lakers could get to come to L.A. this year. New Orleans isn't supposed to win now, which pe- the Lakers are supposed to win now. That's why the trade is so big. What people don't, what, what some people are not seeing is New Orleans isn't meant to win now. They're supposed to get another high draft pick next year and maybe in three to four years have a team. Right now, they're not ready to win. And if if... They can get some key players, maybe a veteran come in two or three years down the road. It's good, but it's fine for them to be sorry. And it's fine for them to be – they need a gel. And they, they hold all the cards right now. They In, in the draft, they, they have the opportunity to take Zion Williamson, or I think, Nick, you brought it up before the show. They could shop that pick and bring in some more I think proven that, I think they should shop that pick. I mean, why not? If what, you know, I don't know what type of offers they could get, but I think uh, I think I'd – what we were talking about a little bit before, maybe swap picks with the Knicks, who are at number three, and send over either someone like a Kevin Knox or a Dennis Smith Jr., and, and, and try to build their team with some more proven talent. And if they went down to number three, obviously you still get R.J. Barrett with the number three pick. That's definitely not a bad Well, R.J. Barrett and Lonzo, that's two people who not necessarily are the greatest of shooters. No, but all, all I'm saying is that the Pelicans hold the cards. They can choose 
how they want to build this team, who they want to make the face of their franchise. And I don't think there's any way to, to criticize them for that. Obviously, they could have gotten a Kyle Kuzma out of this deal. Maybe he was on the table at one point. Maybe the Lakers didn't want to give him up. But I think with with the circumstances, they they, they did a really good job with this trade. The key to this trade is with the draft picks. And I'm, I'm really going to double down on this. And it really relies on David Griffin and how much David Griffin buys into Zion Williamson. If I were David Griffin, I would play on the fact that I know that New York is really salty that they did not get the number one pick. Like, really salty. They wanted Zion before Zion even was a thing. <laughs> but, of course, he's been a thing since high school, you know, doing 360 Wilmo dunks and just looking me, making me look like a puny uh, 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 white kid on a basketball court. But, you know, it... You really need to manipulate. You need to use the other franchise's motivations against them, I think, here, if you're the Pelicans. You need to try and shop that first pick. And if you trade with the Knicks at three, you get three. You get your picks three and four back-to-back. -back. You get an R.J. Barrett. And I don't think John Moran is going to be available at four, but if you get that as well, Either way, I think you're going to get a point guard if you shop one of those one of those picks. I think you, if you shop to New York, you might get Dennis Smith Jr. return. Maybe a backcourt with Drew Holiday and Dennis Smith Jr. That could be something that's potentially interesting to take a look at. And taking an R.G. Barrett, who might play a small small forward, you know, about six six, I believe his height is. If you're David Griffin here, you really need to toy with these other teams and try to get some value out of these draft picks if you can, and maybe even some veterans' presence. See if you can speed this up as fast as you can. Yet there's no rush. As Luke was saying earlier, you can be sorry for a couple of years, get more draft picks if you need to, but you, New Orleans really has all the cards in this case. Yeah, I mean, has anyone made the comparison between the Pelicans and what the Celtics have been the last few years with all those assets? I mean, Ooh. no, I was going to get there. I was going to get there, work though. Out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. It, 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 it depends how much you trust your, your scouts or whoever's doing the drafting for you. I mean, they could, they could be the best team in the league in five years. They could also be exactly where they are right now. Well, that's what I was saying. It just depends on how much David Griffin has bought into the hype that is I'm willing to like every other, all the other 29 teams have seemingly bought into the hype. But, but the position they put themselves in, I don't think what we're going to see from the Pelicans is going to be a, a trust-the-process type of rebuild. Just not last season, but the season before, they won a playoff series. They were, you know, thought, thought maybe they could contend in the Western Conference with Boogie Cousins and with Anthony Davis. I don't think they're going to have to go through that four- or five-year period where they're just completely rebuilding. With the guys they have now and with the guys they're going to be bringing in in this draft, they could start having success this year. They're, I don't think they're going to compete for the Western Conference, but they can make the postseason and, and they could win a playoff series again. And then from there, maybe you attract a superstar next offseason, and then all of a sudden people are, people are saying, it's, is it going to be the Lakers? Is it going to be the Pelicans? Maybe Golden State's still around, and they're up there. I don't think this is going to be a drawn-out process. I think the Pelicans are going to start having success this year with the players they're bringing in and are going to just build on that every single year from here Do you want to watch the Pelicans? Yeah. I do. I do. Yeah, I, is it, well, that's not necessarily the most important thing, but they're gonna they're gonna have viewers by by the they're gonna Zion is gonna if, bring if that. Zion gets drafted number one overall and David Griffin and the Pelicans don't shop that number one pick. I mean, the Pelicans are probably gonna be the most interesting team what to watch in would, the NBA. What, what idiot would shop Zion Williamson? Like, there's no one in the NBA right now with the upside at no. the same age that you you would want to do that. With. I don't think it's I don't think it's the, that bad to. to 
listen to offers. I'm not saying they have to. to and I don't yeah. think Nick is either. No, they, they have to. Li- yeah, you can pick. listen to number. I would listen to number four or other other picks, but or the ones that they got from the Lakers. But Zion is the is the whole. I mean, you saw how the the ticket office celebrated when when they saw they were number one. He is going to be the guy that sells the tickets. And New Orleans, it's not new, like New Orleans is Phoenix or uh, Phoenix has had a struggle trying to build their team or Minnesota who everyone thought Minnesota with their young people, they would do something. It, New Orleans is a destination place. I don't see I don't see a reason why you wouldn't love to be in New Orleans. It's a small market, big market city, if that makes sense. It's yeah. not L.A., but if you're a young guy going, in, going to New Orleans. It's not the worst place to play. It's not the glamour of a New York or Chicago or Miami. It doesn't have a franchise. It doesn't have Orlando. a franchise history, but still. And if you guys buy in, I buy into it. If you guys buy into Zion Williamson being the next LeBron, where as soon as he steps onto an NBA court, he's going to make a difference, you don't have to do the the trust the process type stuff because the Cavaliers didn't do that. They just let LeBron mature into the player that he was. In the first year that they drafted him, they won 35 games. The next season, they won 42. And the next season, they won 50. And the season after that, they made it to the finals. They didn't do any of these any of the, this tanking stuff they just put him around the same exact type of players that they just got in this la trade and i think the pelicans got way more talent than what lebron was dealing with right yeah absolutely but kind of going full circle back to lebron and anthony davis and that question mark at the point guard position uh Kawhi has been rumored to, I mean, Kawhi's not a point guard, but Kawhi has been rumored to be heading to L.A., whether it was the Clippers or the Lakers. Now, who knows? Kyrie Irving originally was thinking about going to the Lakers. Now it's looking like he's going to the Nets. And then D'Angelo Russell. This is a new, new-ish, you know, front office for the Lakers. Do you risk bringing D'Angelo Russell back if he gets sent out of place by Kyrie in Brooklyn? I don't know where y'all's minds are on that, but, you know, Luke mentioned Kemba Walker beforehand. I'm not sure that Kemba Walker would be a good fit, just like I'm not sure that Anthony Davis is going to be a good fit with LeBron in L.A. But where are your all minds on where that third potential superstar can come from and who it might be? Given the circumstances, I I, I do believe Kemba Walker is probably the best, most realistic option. I think Kyrie to the Nets is probably a done deal. I don't think bringing D'Angelo Russell back is a great idea. No. Um, so, so just given everything, and again, he, it, it might not work out. He might not be a great fit. Uh, but Kemba Walker, if you're looking to add a third, and, and I, want, I don't want to use the word superstar too lightly with Kemba Walker. He's a great player. Uh, but if you want to add another, like a third really solid piece to that Lakers team, I think Kemba Walker's probably your best option. Well, I think when you take a look at Kemba Walker, you just need to realistically say, okay, well, he's going to go if he goes to L.A., and this is all metaphorical. As you say, well, okay, well, now he doesn't have to shoot the ball all the time, which Kemba Walker inside the three-point line has been, you know, Kemba Walker. Everybody remembers the UConn shot the, to win on the national title. Outside the three-point arc, inconsistent. Uh, sometimes he's got a nice stroke. Other times it's left a lot to be desired. Ideally, you want that third player to not have to shoot the ball all the time. Luke, what are you, what are you thinking on this? Uh, Kimball Walker has, to my knowledge, never gotten injured. and That's, that's a good point. That's the big thing with, with me is Kyrie Irving, even if you do get him to come back, what, are you going to get Dwayne Wade Kyrie Irving? What, which Kyrie Irving is going to show <laughs> hobbled, up? Hobbled Kyrie Irving? Yeah, is that get, my, get my knee drained every other week, oh, boy. Kyrie Irving. Kimball Walker you're going to get for less money most likely. I think he would settle for the $26, $27 million. What's the extra five going to do if you're, if you're going to be on a trash team the rest of your life? I think he settles knowing, 
oh my gosh, they've got Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I could live out my dream. Some people dream of living in L.A. It's a cool lifestyle. I don't think that that's a huge, uh, a huge draw for him. But for me, if you're making a solid decision, Kim Walker is a little bit older than Kyrie Irving, but it's it's not necessarily this can be a four year thing. It's not necessarily uh, how how uh, young the person is. It's how durable. And for me, Kimba Walker is the most durable option. And you definitely aren't going to go D'Angelo Russell. I I've heard things. D'Angelo Russell most likely will go to Phoenix, which would be with with the way the the way that that administration over there is built. Who knows what what kind of circus you'll get with Booker, Aiton. Um, all those characters over in Phoenix. That's uh, I would not want to be the coach of that team. The Western Conference is certainly going to be interesting. The Warriors are going to be without two or three monsters, uh, <laughs> Clay Thompson and and uh, Kevin Durant. Uh, Kevin Durant's injury is probably a little bit more severe than a torn ACL. Of course, it, it's not you know choosing one over the over the other. Both injuries are really bad. But look how Demarcus Cousins came back. He kind of wasn't the same. Uh, same thing with Kobe Bryant. Achilles injuries are they're tough. They're tough. They're really especially tough. in this sport, you know, and, and maybe in other sports, it's slightly easier to come back from. But with an athlete like like Kevin Durant, how he's built physically, it's it's going to be an interest. It's going to be an interesting storyline, I think, once he does come back in w- with whatever team he comes back. Because if he does leave Golden State, whatever team signs him and it's going to give him a super max contract, they're going to be making a massive investment um in Kevin Durant and, and banking on him recovering fully and being the same Kevin Durant. I don't know if I would I wouldn't know if I would call it an investment. I'd already call it a gamble. Yeah. Definitely. I would go straight up and just call it a gamble. But Alex, what team do you foresee dishing out that money for Kevin Durant? Do you still think New York is gonna try and, and do everything that they can to get a superstar in free agency? Or do you think that people are gonna say, well, you know, we have no guarantee that Kevin Durant is going to be the same. We'll just pass on him, and maybe the Warriors will resign. I think the Knicks are the exact type of franchise that would give max money to a guy who's not going to play for a year, <laughs> and who, when he does come back, is probably not going to be the same player. Here, here's a thought, guys. Kevin Durant thinks the Knicks—they still have their first-round pick for next year, I assume. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're terrible. <laughs> Kevin Durant signs with the Knicks, knowing that he's not going to play at all next year. No pressure on them. They're terrible. They get a good draft pick that you can get a, a hopefully a bona fide star, and it can be you're hoping you're hoping. Now this is a stretch. David Robinson went down with the with the Spurs. Next year, Tim Duncan, they win a title. So maybe you can think that's another way of jumping over the whole free agency thing because. Let's be real. Why would Kevin Durant? He's already he's already uh, risked himself in the playoffs. Why next year would he even do it again? I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he looks at it that way. Of I'm going to sit out anyway, so why do I care if this team's going to be bad and we can go and give free agency another run next year and possibly get a great pick? Although they're they're not, you don't know would there be a Zion type player next year? I don't think you would get a Zion type player uh, next year. I'm trying to think of somebody that. 
is even anywhere close. And, you know, in comparison, in comparison to a draft class like this, you take a look at next year's draft class and you say, well, that's obviously going to be a little bit inferior. Well, a mellow ball. It's, it's, but it's, oh, it's also God. really early because a lot I'm of next mute your mic. <laughs> yeah, how, how are you going to know? But a lot of next year's draft class like are just graduating high school right now. So it's still, it's still really early to tell like if there's going to be a generational talent. Obviously Zions don't and grow And you can on, trade that talent as well. Yeah. It's a chip. Well, they don't, I'm Zions just don't floating ideas. I'm floating ideas, you know? No, and, and I think, I, I do think that's a viable option for Kevin Durant. Maybe he, he sits out uh, with this Achilles injury longer than he maybe has to, um, just to kind of, one, fully rest it, um, and two, just make sure that whatever team he does sign with, and if it is New York, um, that they can get all their, uh, you know, eggs in a row. And Bre- Brett, can you correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't his doctors in New York? I, I have for, no I, idea. I he don't. went and saw a specialist in New York after the Achilles injury. I'll take your word for it. You know, <laughs> man, somewhat of a, a a good match for him. Sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well, last question on the NBA before we talk a little bit of NHL before the show is over. Oof, we don't have to. We can go NBA Finals if you want, Nick. Well, do you want to? Do you just want to just go straight into NBA Finals well, we... and blow off NHL because hockey doesn't matter apparently on the show? Well, let's not uh, go that let's, far. Let's raise our hands. Who's got the vote here? Okay. Oh, we, we can talk well, about the well, well, let's just, you know, yeah, hope You Sebastian might as well mute my mic now. Out. Well, let's hope that Sebastian doesn't come out of the uh, the studio and try to hold us hostage or something. Oh, here he comes. I just saw him out of the corner of my eye. And hi. hi. Hey. Uh, Great radio. Anyways, this is <laughs> not the NHL. Yeah. Uh, it's off season. Uh, no. I just just uh, some thoughts on the NHL. Really nice. Thanks for slamming the door, by the way, Sebastian. Uh, you can take this all out in post editing. I'm <laughs> just kidding. It's a shame that we're not or that we're live, right? Um, <laughs> we're live. No. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I thought I made that abundantly clear. Anyways. Hey, mom. <laughs> Uh, what a fantastic story that the St. Louis Blues were able to complete uh, beating the Bruins in Game 7. I believe it was you, Alex, who said that there was no possible way that the Bruins would lose that game, and uh, they lost the game. Um, this is freezing cold takes right now on Tom <laughs> Uh But, you know, it's a 50-50 chance, but really, I think this really speaks to what I said I don't know if it was a couple weeks ago on the show, but it was something along the lines of the NHL has the best parity when it comes to talent and teams in their league. You know, there is never one team that truly remains at the top of the league for too long. And I think that the St. Louis Blues really have proven this more than anything else that the NHL really just has that great competition. So congratulations to the uh, the St. Louis Blues. Um Sorry to the, to Sebastian and the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm sure next year is all y'all's year. Already the odds-on favorite to win the Stanley Cup next year, according to uh, some folks out in Las Vegas. Well, the folks in Las Vegas, I put my money on them getting bounced in the first round again. All right. Uh, okay. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get some hired bodyguards coming out of the uh, <laughs> coming out of the studio tonight. Anyways, but okay, Luke, we got a minute to talk about the NBA Finals. You you've been did did you really see in I. I, I tweet out a picture of a shocked face on Twitter because I truly was shocked. Did you really see Kawhi Leonard taking over and and he, he won the game for him, but the just the way the NBA landscape changed within two games, I would have never thought that we would possibly not see two of the two of the top fifteen players in the NBA go down and now it looks like the Warriors dynasty is in shambles. I don't I 
just the way imagine, Steph Curry is played. Imagine a season without Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson, though. Like, who? I don't know if they make I, the Western Conference Finals, Nick. With with assuming that the Portland Trailblazers remain mostly intact with uh, Yusef Nurkic and Seth Curry and you know all the talent that they've had, assuming that the Denver Nuggets remain mostly intact, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, uh, Dwayne, uh, not Dwayne uh, Bacon, excuse me, um, Malik Malik Beasley. Yes, I mean the Western Conference. That top spot, it's going to be really interesting. Rockets as the, well. The Rock, I think I have a uh, sinking suspicion that the Rockets are going to kind of fall apart. But <laughs> Boogie's probably not going to come back. You don't have Kevin Durant. You don't have Quay Thompson. Now your starting lineup is whatever the I, – I don't know his name. It's not McKissick, but – McKinney. McKinney, awful. Iguodala is, is, your, is your second best player on that team. But what, behind Draymond and Steph Curry? I mean, so well, yeah, I'm saying third. Steph Curry has got yeah, okay, he behind be Draymond, third. but that team is not good. They're not good. It's a big worry what the Warriors are going to be able to do in free agency, especially if they tie up Klay Thompson, who's not even going to play next year uh, with a uh, thirty plus million dollars. Closing thoughts, Brett, Alex. I just think uh, we'll just want a quick update uh, on that on the Florida State baseball game. Sure. They're still trailing one nothing in the top of the third. C.J. Van Eyck's looking good, but uh, yeah, I think. Uh, I think I'll take the Pelicans. I'll say the Pelicans won that trade. I know I was a little unclear about that early on. Okay. Alex, closing thoughts? Um, just about the NBA next year. I, I think it's so wide open. I think it hasn't been this wide open since before the big three of Miami. Really? Wow. Orlando Magic when they dominated. <laughs> it's their time to shine. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for tuning into Tomahawk Talk. Uh, thank you for spending this hour and time with us. Uh, thank you so much just for, just, for, just, for tuning, just for tuning in every single week. For Brett... For Alex, for Luke, once again, I'm your host, Nick Carlisle. New release is up next. We will see you next week. You're listening to WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.